are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Well, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen wants Jackson, and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG bringing your own guts, and they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us on a Monday. Hope your weekend was very well. T.C. Martin Show, streaming live, of course, tcmartinshow.com. Ballpark Frank in the house, just getting back from the window, cashing in a plethora of tickets. Isn't that right? Just go. Will you just go with the flow? You're, just, you're supposed to go with the flow. I believe in honesty. Yeah, okay. You know, I watch the games, <laughs> and it's starting to take a mental strain on me. I keep on picking the Packers, and I find myself having to root for them. Not really root for them, but for my pride, I have to. And I think I'm going to have to start picking against them just because I just I, I can't I can't keep on doing this. When's your birthday? Not till January. Okay. It's a long way off. I'm going to get you a nice green and gold package. For your birthday. That's what I'm going to do. I'm well, that, that's a good idea because January's a little bit cold and I might need some firewood in the house, <laughs> so it's something to burn. <laughs> no, man. You're betting the Packers every week. I'm going to get you some swag. I'm going to get you some green and gold swag. I didn't bet them this week, and I will burn it. I'll burn it in front of you. You would you would not really wear it, would you? I burn, My brother once bought me a shirt for Christmas, a pink satin shirt, and I told him if you buy me that, I will burn it in front of you. A pink satin shirt? Yes. What's he trying? What's the message there? He was trying to say, oh, no girls like pink. I'm like, I'm not wearing it. So I literally got a can of lighter fluid and put it on it and torched it right in front of him on Christmas Day. That's just rude. That's crass and rude. It, it was rude of him Some, to buy it for me when I told him not to. I agree with you. Rude it. for someone to give you a gift and you would a torch on fire. Spe- I especially if I got you a nice Packer you know, hoodie or something like that. That's just despicable. Man. Well, f- you, well, first off, nice and Packer anything doesn't go together. Well, you so sure like it when you go to the window like last night and last no, week. No, I, I didn't. I didn't bet him this before. week. I bet him the week before, and I felt guilty. It yeah. felt like dirty money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Speaking of dirty, Numchuck on the other side of the proverbial glass. There he is. And Earthquake making uh, making his rounds around here as well, too. So the gang is all here today on a Monday. Hope you guys had a wonderful weekend. Quake I, is hovering. He's hovering, isn't he? That's what he does. He hovers. No matter where. So I thought I would share this with you guys today since Quake shared us his... I think, I think it was last Monday you shared us your parlay story, right? Well, I have a little... The big money line winner. The money line winner. Winner, winner. Right. So, you know... Hattie I do, B's chicken dinner. There you go. And there you go. And thank you to the Cosmopolitan for our Hattie B's... You know, chicken dinner on Friday. Thank you very much for that as we digress, regress. Anyway, so since, Quake, you told us the story last Monday about your Moneyline Parlay, I thought, okay, well, let me let me dive in this because, as you know, I do like the Moneyline Parlay. And I was looking at these games with our best bets, and I'm going, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie something together here. So I go ahead, and I should show you because I have a picture of, of, of my ticket here. And I was, showing, I was showing Frank and Numchuck earlier. But anyway, so... I was out of town, so I had to have somebody put in a ticket for me, all right? So the ticket that gets put in for me is this, Moneyline Parlay, Patriots, is that a winner? The Bills, come from behind winner, the Buccaneers, and the 49ers. 
a $50 ticket, Quake, nets me a profit of two twenty-two thirty-five. dollars Pretty nice, right? Yeah. But wait. But wait. There's more. <laughs> that wasn't my ticket. That was the ticket that was printed by the ticket writer. So the person that put in the ticket for me says, excuse me, you put in a wrong team. <laughs> yeah. The Niners were not on my ticket. So what do you do? Do you avoid the ticket? Or do you go back and say, you know what? It's an omen. Let's just go with that. Well, of course not. Void the ticket. And my real original ticket quake is Patriots. Bills. Buccaneers. And what's that one say, Quake? The Falcons. That's right. The Falcons. After all, they were only up 16 points. The three-quarter Falcons. <laughs> 6.30 to go. Oh, no. So that ticket is a loser. But if I would have taken the ticket that the ticket writer punched in misappropriately, I'm a winner. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Now, let me ask you guys. You guys have probably all been in this situation. And not for the sake of this story, but in all reality, honesty, when you've gotten a voided ticket, what would you have done? Or what have you done in the past when somebody puts in a wrong number? Do you void it or do you say, hey, I'm, I'm going with it? Now, I know you, we all have these stories. We've been living in Vegas forever. This happens. Well, for me, one of the things is how much money I have in my pocket. If I can afford to buy a second ticket, <laughs> I might have to void it. But um, I, I haven't really had that lunch. I, I did bet a horse once where I got the wrong number, but I didn't notice it until I'd already left okay. the window, so it was right. kind of too late. Right. Okay. So you, haven't you had one of those? And I'm not saying you know, to buy another ticket. I'm saying, oh, wait, notice this is not what I originally gave well, no, you. No, no, no. But what or I'm, I'll just go with it. No, no. What I'm saying is if, if I was, if was going to keep it, I would probably still put in the other one as well okay. is what I'm saying. Okay. So I would have to be able to do a second one. Right. Because I don't think I would void the first one. You don't it, think it, you would it, void the first one? It, it, unless I, and like I said, is say, that unless, a karma thing? It, or what? Unless I was short on the cash, then right. I might void it. And do, if I only had, like, if I'm making a twenty dollars bet, I might have yeah. just said, "Well, no, I want it." Then I might. But if I have fifty bucks in my pocket, I'd say, "Well, give me that one, and then give me this one too, right. or something." So. Okay. I'm a I'm a man of foggy integrity, so I would have uh, I would have just taken it and ran. Really? Oh, I would have ran with it. I'd have been like, "Oops, oops." Are you saying this after the fact because the Niners only won by thirty? Is that why? Yeah. Um. Oh, you're, so you're saying if I looked at it and I went, "Oh, this is the wrong team." Yes. Yeah. Then I would have say, said something. That's yeah. That's what happened. Well, yeah. That's what happened. Oh yeah yeah. Absolutely. So okay. go into the window, said, yeah. "Okay, here, you know, give the you now." Laid it all out for this person. Yeah. The number, the team, right. 424, 426, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And start walk away. Oh, wait a minute. No, I didn't say Niners. I said Falcons instead of, you know, the punching like 475 instead yeah, of 476. Yeah, I would have totally had it corrected. You had so it corrected, my right. Yeah. Had I known, uh, you know, hindsight, uh, and I would known that was the winning ticket, I wouldn't have said anything. Well, of course. Like, yeah. Of see, course. see, the problem was your ticket writer, all your numbers were 420-something, and he was celebrating 420. <laughs> Of course. Oh, bro. I'm low-key faded, bro. <laughs> yeah, get that. I didn't put that clown on the ticket. Ezekiel Elliott, huh? So there it is. Yeah, that's a nightmare story. So I literally handed back a winner. I handed back a $222 winner. Well, so, I didn't. So the person that you had go to the window, is your new advice to them, whatever you do after you place my bet, do not check the ticket before you leave the window? <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Don't check your ticket. That's the golden rule, right? Check your ticket before you leave the window. This cool. time, 
Don't course, check it. Of course, you know what would have happened then. Oh, of course. Then you would have just, just assumed that you had a loser, and they would have just thrown oh, out a Oh, are you ticket. kidding? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would have had the Houston Texans on there. I would have There would have been all kinds of garbage that was on there, you know? <laughs> You'd had both sides of the same I would have had the Saints. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. <laughs> I got the Saints and the Saints. Give me 423 and 424. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm going to win one of them. Unbelievable. All right. All right. Today, we talk uh, our little Monday afternoon quarterback edition. Matthew Holt will join us. We'll talk about... Uh, how the bookmakers did. We'll take a look at the, the covers and the, the cover blowers and, and all that kind of good stuff as well. So uh, we'll dive into that. And the, the handle has just been phenomenal at these sports books. So uh, we'll, we'll dive into all that. But yeah, week number three of the NFL will conclude tonight. Huge game tonight as we look at the Ravens and the Chiefs. Literally game of the year, at least early on here, the first three weeks, and it happens to be tonight, Monday Night Football, and the Chiefs, and we talked about this on Friday's show at the Cosmopolitan, you know, the Chiefs, your Super Bowl champs, getting three and a half, but when you really dive into this, I mean, you look at Baltimore's defense, Baltimore seems like a team on a mission, and the Chiefs, going back to last year, they have fallen behind in a lot of games. Uh, the first two games this season, fallen behind, had to rally to win. We know what happened in the Super Bowl. F- fell behind to the Niners, double digits, came back to one, and they did that in the playoff games as well, too. So at what point in time does Andy Reid and the Chiefs like kind of get things together? Because if they fall behind to the Ravens tonight, they're probably not going to come back. No, there's a good chance that they won't come back. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I know one thing. If I have Mahomes at my quarterback, I'm never counting a team out in a game. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, against that defense, you would think they probably wouldn't. It is interesting because this is such a big game, but it is so early in the season. It seems like Baltimore is already, like, in midseason form. The Chiefs are kind of finding their way a little bit right now. But they're doing enough to win. But, yeah, I think they need to play better tonight to win this game. But I certainly wouldn't write them off. And, and I still think that last week uh, was a little bit of an aberration because I do think that they were looking ahead to this game, although it's very strange to have a look ahead in Week 2, but they still see the schedule. There's certain games that you circle on the schedule. This is a Monday night game. It's a big game. It's against a team that uh, might be one of their biggest rivals, at least talent-wise on the field. They certainly are right now, so I think they were looking ahead to this game. Of course. So we'll see what happens. You did play the Chargers last week, so you're saying, yeah, you might not get up for the Chargers, right? Yeah. Unbelievable. So we'll, we'll see what happens tonight. So the Chiefs getting three and a half. Yes, I'm going to take a shot with the world champions with that. Could it be a trap game? A lot of people think it could be a trap game because, you know, Baltimore is one of those teams that, you know, that, that number, that crooked number of three and a half could be a little bit tricky there. But again, well, and that, and a lot of people think number- Baltimore is the better team. And so far, even though the Chiefs are 2-0, and bottom line is, I mean, Baltimore is probably the better team right now talent on both sides of the ball. And that crooked number is something that does entice the betters because it does make it interesting. If it was a flat-out three, I think you'd have even more action probably on the, you know, on Baltimore right now, but people do look at that and they go, well, I, nobody wants to lose by the hook. Right. Nobody ever wants to lose, period. But you really don't like to lose by the hook. And and it could very well happen in this game. I mean, you don't know. There's a lot of it. You know, there's those magic numbers as you talk to all the sportsbook directors, and we both been around here a long time. You know, three, seven, certain numbers. There's numbers that people avoid in that. You know, there's professional handicappers out there that are waiting for that to go up half a point. The novice butter might look and go, ah, it's half a point. But a lot of the sharps go, let's jump on it now because it's coming back down or it's going back up or whatever. So uh, the hook, uh, the hook is a factor. A lot more it often is. than most it people is. probably and, think. And hence the reason why I like to play the money line on these games that are three and a half or four. 
You know, I'll lay a little extra juice so I don't have to sweat that because, there, like you said, there's nothing worse than tearing up a ticket than you lose by the hook. All right, so after three weeks in the NFL, has produced the most points in the history of the league after three weeks, and we haven't even you know got to tonight's game, and that could be a pinball machine going off with both these offenses as well, too. Well, with the offenses and the quarterbacks out there, and I'm sure there's a lot of different reasons out there, and I'm sure people have their different theories. I think that one of them, quite honestly, that y- I don't see how you can look past with all the pandemic and the COVID and the training camps and that, with people not hitting and having real full practices, I don't think the tackling's what, is, what it normally has no. been. Uh, the defense has been behind, and although people always look at... The preseason games, and a lot of people hate the preseason games, and you know a lot of the players hate them. One thing that you do in preseason that people don't talk about, sometimes you get your special teams down, your punt returns, your kickoff returns, things like that. They didn't get to work on that this season in those preseason games. That's where you find a lot of your taxi squad players. By not having those four games this year, by having literally zero of them, I think tackling's down. I think we see some punt returns and big kickoff returns on that kind of stuff. In an era when they're trying to get rid of the kickoff because you just kick it out of the end zone, I think tackling and special teams is a big part of the reason for the scores being as high as they are. And then the defense is just uh, like you look at a guy like Russell Wilson. He throws bombs all the time. He might be the best long ball thrower in the game. Yeah. Even though a lot of people don't think he has the strongest arm, but you're right. And you talk about the poor tackling. That was, wasn't more evident in that Bears-Falcons game. You talk about the shoddy tattling, tackling by the Falcons and the Bears scored that long touchdown. And you had the same thing last night with the Saints-Packers game as well, too. Not being able to wrap up. I mean, so many games we've seen these long you know, touchdown you know, receptions go for TDs because they cannot wrap up. And a lot of times, guys don't even try to wrap up anymore. No, no. They're so cognizant of trying to get the turnover. Everybody's trying to stand somebody up and punch out the ball. If you get the turnover, that's a great move. But if you just constantly try to do that, the guy's on another 10 or 12 yards down the field got the first down easily because you didn't wrap them up. Everybody's looking for the turnover today. Turnovers are great, but giving up massive chunks of yards all the time when you can't get it, that's not a good thing. And you go to Saturday's game too, that's the reason why LSU lost. They got upset by Mississippi State and Mike Leach. We talked about that game Friday at the Cosmopolitan as well too during our Best Bet segment. But you look at the way the defending champs came out in that play. They played. They're flat. Obviously, there is no Joe Burrow at LSU this year. I mean, their quarterback looked horrendous. But from a defensive standpoint, I mean, these a lot of these defensive backs like to go with the shoulder roll, the shoulder block, and not. You know, go for the wrap up, and, and, and that's and, exactly and, what happened on the seventy-five yard touchdown by Mississippi State. It, it was just atrocious tackling, especially for a program program like LSU. Now you go look at Alabama. You know, totally different, totally different. They were ready to play, even though they didn't end up covering that big number of twenty-seven and a half points. But they firmly in control. But if you look at the way LSU played, especially on the defensive side of the ball, downright atrocious. Like that team was not ready to play, and for every reason that you just said, tackling. Well, and the other thing, too, and, and you mentioned when they go for the shoulder roll, the other thing, they, they all want to do the punch. And you yeah. see it. I mean, you see running backs in that now, the good ones and the smart ones, wide receivers, whatever, they really wrap up the ball now. I remember the one New England touchdown where the guy dove into the touchdown over like two or three people and went in. He had that ball wrapped Rex up Burkhead, securely. Yeah. There yeah. was no way that he was dropping the ball. 
That's what you have to do today because they teach that. Everybody wants to be Peanut Tillman from the Bears, who made an art form out of it. He invented something new, but you know what? Just like the Wildcat offense, just like all sorts of stuff that we've seen in football, when you invent something new, it works for a short period of time, and then there's adjustments to it. Now, the punching the ball out still works if you're good enough to do it. If you have a Mike Tyson-type punch, it's probably going to work. If you don't, you know, if you can't crack an egg, you're probably just going to give more chunks of yards, and you might want to actually wrap somebody up. Is that what Peanut did? Did Peanut crack an egg? Oh, no, no. He 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 cracked a skull, baby. <laughs> He's cracking peanuts. What are you talking about? <laughs> Walnuts. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, you mentioned the uh, you know Rex Burkhead and the Patriots. Uh, they rolled over the Raiders yesterday 36-20. We were on that one. Well, two of three of us. On Friday, the Cosmopolitan were on that. Sorry, Frank. But, uh, yeah, you were drinking some of that Raiders Kool-Aid. But no- well, I, I figured I went against them twice and I lost. So I, I realize now that whatever I pick the Raiders to do, they're going to do the opposite. <laughs> New England, 250 yards running the football. 406 total yards overall for the Pats, but 250 on the ground. Sony Michelle had nine carries in this game for a buck 17. That's 13 yards per carry that he had uh, on Sunday. So, yeah, 36-20. Patriots won going away. This game really not in doubt at all. Cam Newton wasn't great. Only had a quarterback rating of 73.8, but he did have 162 yards passing, one TD, one interception. The interception was atrocious, by the way. But really, this was all about the lack of Raiders defense. And we talked about this going into it, and we saw that with the Saints went up and down the field for the most part in the first half. Raiders made some adjustments. Breeze made the mistake, as you pointed out, you know, the the uh, before the the half uh, on last Monday night. But for me, it was just all about you know making that cross country trip, being a little full of themselves, and going into a Belichick defense that Belichick is now saying, "Hey, the, the Raiders are two and zero. No, we're going to take this game seriously," and they did. So I just think not that the Raiders are a bad team. I don't think that you know people should think that the Raiders you know are what they were before. And then the first two games, you know, were a fluke. I don't think that they are a much improved team, and they hung with the Patriots for a while yesterday. But the bottom line is, it was just a good spot for New England. Didn't think it was a great spot for the Raiders. I think the Raiders are going to be okay, but they have to shore up that defense. Well, they have to shore up the defense. The other thing that they have to do is they have to re- realize that if somebody takes away your best weapon, you've got to have other weapons, and that's what Belichick did. They, they they took what the Raiders did in the first couple games to win, and they said, this guy's not beating us, and all of a sudden the the Raiders didn't have someplace else to go. They didn't have a plan B necessarily. Right. So, you know, I mean, that that's a big thing. That's why you need to spread the ball around. That's why you need a lot of different options and varieties because a guy like Belichick was going to come up and he's going to have that. And and we did mention that early. I, I mentioned that even though I did take the Raiders. I said that, you know, you know it, it was going to be interesting to see, but they looked so good that, you know, I was going to give them a, a shot or whatever. But you've got you've to change up and you've got to have a plan B. And I didn't necessarily see it offensively from the Raiders in that game. All right. Speaking of offense, there was plenty of it in last night's game. The Packers beat the Saints 37-30. to uh, Rodgers, Breeze, they lived up to the hype. But for the second week in a row, the Saints had no D again. And we kind of had a feeling from what we saw Monday night here in Vegas where they couldn't slow down the Raiders. What are you going to do against that Aaron Rodgers-led Packer offense? And the Packers have done a great job of mixing the run in the pass. But if, if you're going to give Rodgers that kind of time to throw... Uh, 
good night. And the Packers, who put over 40 points on the board the first two games, nearly did that again. If they would have had another possession this game, they would have probably scored over 40. They ended up with 37 last night, and that was enough. And again, uh, it wasn't even really that close. The Packers had that 10-point lead, and then the uh, Saints you know, kicked the field goal to make it 37-30, tried the onside kick, uh, but I guess this is what we're going to see now. We're going to see the new the spinner routine, and everyone's going to try to do the spin uh, the way that the um, uh, Cowboys did it last week. Yeah, but it, it's yeah, it's it's so hard to duplicate that, and they couldn't duplicate it last night. Well, no, I, I have a feeling it's something that you see, you're going to see a lot more teams practicing now during the week and that sort of things. But the thing about it is, remember, it's got to go ten yards. As much as we ripped the Falcons for not jumping on the ball before it went there. Last night, they did a good job by making sure that it didn't go. And it looked like it was on its edge and it was going to maybe go that way, but then it went out of bounds. So it, it, it's a strange way to do an onside kick, but uh, I agree with you. I think it's going to be something there. And I thought it was interesting, too, because the announcers towards the end of that game last night, and they mentioned the fact, they said, well, you know, this really is a really big game because when it comes time for playoffs and that, this could be that kind of game where you look at the head-to-head and you know they have the, the win head-to-head, so... Maybe this is a situation where they're gonna, you know, that'll mean a mean a difference between home field for a playoff game. I'm not sure that the Saints are a playoff team right now, Be- because of that defense. Yes, they have Drew Brees, but that defense has been atrocious. They need to find some way to get them to tackle somebody and do something because right now you can't expect Drew Brees to put up 45 points every game to win every game. You're not going to win every game in a shootout. And we saw that last year in the playoff loss you know, to the Vikings. It was the exact same scenario. They couldn't stop Kirk Cousins. And th- this has been the downfall for the Saints, and we've seen it in every game so far, uh, this, especially you know last week's game and this week's game. I mean, it was, uh, it was bad. W- what are the Saints going to do from here on out? And again, a lot of people say, well, no Michael Thomas. Uh, they're moving the ball fine. Okay, the offense, you score 30 points, you should be able to win games with that, especially we got a, a guy like Alvin Kamara. You should be fine. But that defense, simply atrocious, horrendous, terrible. And uh, we'll see what, what happens with the Saints. All right, so when we come back, we've got uh, the rest of the NFL docket to talk about. We'll preview tonight's game between the Chiefs and the Ravens as well. Plenty of blown leads yesterday. Matthew Holt from U.S. Integrity will join us. We'll talk about that. Also, we get ready for NHL Stanley Cup playoffs tonight. NBA, it's all happening. And uh, we'll hit all that and more. T.C. Martin Show on a Manic Monday. The T.C. Martin Show is back. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a half time. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. T.C. Martin. Yes! In the face! The doctor is now in. In. All right, Monday Night Football. Really looking forward to this game tonight. The Ravens and the Chiefs. Going to be great. Going to be good. Great way to close off the weekend. And let's talk about what happened to the sports books over the weekend with our good friend Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity. What is going on, my man? TC, how we doing? Another 120 p- entries went out in Survivor this week. That's it. Okay. Then break that down for our listeners. So you're talking about the Survivor Series over at the Circa contest that you are involved in. And the way you bring that up, I, I take it that you're still alive and well. Alive and well, my friend. Uh, 44 entries on the Chargers, 28 on the Eagles, 23 on the Cardinals, 11 on the Falcons, 11 on the Jags. Those were your double-digit eliminations this past week. Uh, I think $1.3 million guaranteed for 
Look at that. There it is. All right. Matt, Matt is all over that. There it is. All right. Now, so uh, we expect a, a show commission at the end when you uh, get a piece of this uh, you know, million-dollar prize. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's easy. Yeah. For sure. That's that's great. All right, man, let's talk about the favorites and the dogs. Uh, let's tally it up this weekend when we look at the NFL from yesterday. Uh, what was our tally? Because we know that it was predominant favorites going back. Uh, in really, Well, week one was split right down the middle. Week two was heavy favorites. What happened yesterday? Yesterday was a little bit more even again, you know, early on especially, the favorites tended to get there, New England, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, San Fran, Uh, we had a lot of favorites early, Tennessee didn't quite get there, but I think of the six early games, it was five of six, you know, New England, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, San Fran, Cleveland all getting home with Minnesota, the only underdog to cover, but they also lost outright, it was the after... Oh, and Cincinnati with the obviously with the push. Uh, but when we got into the afternoon games, that's where it started to fall apart for some of these favorites. The Chargers, almost a touchdown favorite, only scoring 16 points with their new quarterback Justin Herbert. That was one of the sexy picks after Herbert and the Chargers, you know, took the Chiefs right down to the wire the week prior, but they lost. Arizona, who suddenly became the sexiest team in football, a spread that opened three or three and a half against Detroit, got all the way up to five and a half. I even saw a couple of sneaky sixes for a second. A lot of love for Arizona. They not only fail to cover but lose the game outright. Um, and then the Green Bay Packers Sunday night taking care of business against the New Orleans Saints, winning outright 37-30. So pretty chalky in the morning. Pretty, uh, uh, you know, pretty dog heavy in the afternoon with the dog uh, winning and covering last night. All right, let's take a look at some of the action for some of these games. We had a, a tale of blown leads yesterday, and let's first start talking about what happened that Buffalo Rams game. So Buffalo led twenty-eight to three. Does that score sound familiar, guys? Twenty-eight to three. We've we've seen that score before in a Super Bowl a couple of years ago, right? Vaguely, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It does doesn't doesn't sound good for the team that uh, is leading twenty eight to three, uh, and that was the Falcons. You remember, of course, against the Patriots. Well, yesterday that was the situation with the Bills. Luckily for them, they came back to win the game. So after the Rams scored twenty nine unanswered points, Buffalo's last drive went like this. And if you had Buffalo, you thought you were curtains. Thought you were dead. Because the way the Rams came back with 29 unanswered, and then Buffalo has the ball, and this happens. Josh Allen takes a sack. Then he completes a 22-yard pass on third and 22. All right, got the first down. Then he throws a misguided lateral. Then he got called for a 15-yard face mask penalty. When was the last time you saw a quarterback get called for a face mask penalty, try to fend off a defender, and they called it on him. Then he completed a 17-yard pass on third and 25. Okay, you do the math. That still leads you to a fourth and eight. So it's fourth and eight, coming down to the wire here. He throws an incomplete pass. Rams are jumping up and down. They're off the field, right? Whoa, wait a minute. There's a yellow hanky on the field. That's right. A very questionable pass interference penalty. So gives them the ball back to extend the game a little bit. Then what happens? Josh Allen finds Tyler Croft for a game-winning touchdown with 15 seconds left. Yes, get used to it. This is your Josh Allen. He's the guy that will give you a heart attack. Kind of like the Brett Favre 
from back in the day. And we saw this with Josh Allen last year where you know he would leave these teams on comebacks, but then we saw what happened against the Houston Texans last year where he just completely fell apart. This is what we're seeing with this guy. And Buffalo, believe it or not, they're 3-0. and So talk a little bit about that game, Matt, and how that was a better's nightmare. Well, I said this before the season, and I have quite a, a large bet—you know, two hundred dollar bet at thirty to one with a pretty faint with Steve Fezzik. It was on Fox National Radio. We made that bet. Um, I love the Bills this year. I thought the Bills are one of the four best teams in football. I think they have one of the four best rosters in football. And I actually disagree with your comment that this is what we get from Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen's awesome. Ten touchdowns, one interception, 1,038 yards, averaging 374 yards passing a game. And the only interception was questionable. If you saw that interception in that uh, that the Rams had, the only one he's thrown all year, the, the Bills player caught that pass and fell down, and they called some weird dual possession thing and gave the Rams uh, the ball there. Because of that crazy call, which I thought was ludicrous, Chris, that wasn't an interception. I thought that, it looked the Rams caught a big break with that fake interception to kind of get the ball and, and get down there and, and make that comeback so that when they got a pass interference call, which, again, may have been a 50-50 go against them late, you know, it was kind of karma coming around, I thought. All right, Matt, let's talk about the Seattle-Dallas game. <laughs> Seattle 38-31, Russell Wilson 315 yards, five touchdowns, another game-winning drive for the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, uh, 75 yards and eight plays in only two minutes and 12 seconds. Uh, and then, you know, we also had a, a, a Leon Lett flashback for me as DK Metcalf thought he was Leon Lett with dropping yeah, the, the ball. Yeah, what the, the touchdown that wasn't. <laughs> Exactly, and that was luckily that was in the first quarter. But here we go. This is a, another near blown lead for Seattle. They had a a, a fifteen point lead. The Rams, are, uh, rather uh, Dallas, comes storming back to make it a game after they couldn't do anything right in the first half with plenty of penalties and Prescott wasn't great. But look at Seattle. I mean, they they hung on for a victory. And then you talk about Buffalo, man. Seattle's in that same conversation, a team that is so, so dangerous, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, look, I, I think that Buffalo is a little bit better than Seattle just because their defense is so good. Buffalo's in the top five in terms of getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Seattle's offense, look, no problems there. Russell Wilson, nine, I mean, uh, 925 yards, 14 passing touchdowns to one interception through three games. That is unbelievable to have 14 passing touchdowns through the first three games of the season, rivaling Josh Allen for some of the early you know, top passing stats of the year. The problem for Seattle, though, is they are dead last this season in terms of getting pressure on opponents' quarterbacks. And at the end of it, their secondary, according to Pro Football Focus, is only ranked around 22nd in the National Football League. So when you're not getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks and your secondary is below average, you're going to give up a lot of passing yards. That's something we've seen time and time again this season. 
as the Atlanta Falcons racked up over 400 yards passing against them. The New England Patriots fell one yard short of beating the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. And once again, Dallas scores 31 points last week. This is going to be the prototype for the Seattle Seahawks team all year long because they just don't have the defense to shut anybody down. So I think we're going to see these types of games time and time again. Um, And at some point, if you're Seattle, you're probably going to end up on the losing side of a few of these. When it comes to Seattle, is it really a problem totally with the defense or is it the depth on defense because they've had so many injuries? It's a little bit of both. Look, when your second your secondary, which hasn't lost a ton of people, is ranked below average, but part of the problem is they don't get pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And in the NFL, really, you need to do one of two things: you either really need to get uh, a pressure on the opposing quarterbacks to, to cause a disruption that way, or you need to have corners that are so good you could put them out there on an island. That's kind of the recipe for successful defense in the. NFL, and right now, Seattle doesn't do either. All right, looking at Chicago and Atlanta yesterday, I know Frank had a field day with this game because it looked like the Bears were going to be dead in the water. I got to admit, I liked Atlanta. I thought, okay, this is this team is they're they're zero two. They're not going to be zero three. Well, shame on me because they did it again. Atlanta blew a sixteen point lead with six and a half minutes to go last week. They blew a twenty point lead against Dallas. Uh, you know what the win probability is in both of those situations? It's ninety eight point seven percent that you're going to win those games, and Atlanta dropped both of them. Just incredible ineptitude, and we saw it again yesterday, how they blow a 16-point lead, and uh, now we have quarterback controversy in Chicago because Nick Foles it's comes in. It's not a in. controversy anymore. Well, that's true, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I've always said Nick Foles, if you're going to go and get Nick Foles, he's got to be your starting quarterback because he's better than Mitch Trubisky, and... I'm telling you, if Trubisky stays in that in that game, Atlanta wins this game, and they win going away like they did for the first three quarters. But Foles rallies the troops here in the last 6.30 to overcome a 16-point lead. Another embarrassment for the Falcons, Matt. Yeah, look, I heard some some insiders talk about the fact that the Chicago Bears didn't want to give up on Mitchell Trubisky prior to the start of the season because he, you know, he, you have to remember he came from that famous draft class with Patrick Mahomes and and Lamar Jackson and all these great players and people are saying, "Whoa, look at the rest of these guys. Look how good they are." And then there's Mitchell Trubisky and and so the Bears didn't want to be the the team that completely laid an egg in that draft and drafted all these quarterbacks ahead of all, you know, drafted Trubisky ahead of all these great quarterbacks. So they started Trubisky to start the year, and it worked out. I mean, they got to a 2-0 and start, and then in this game, they bring in Slick Nick. He comes in, throws three touchdowns and 190 yards to save the day, and now you're able to go away from Trubisky, which is probably what they always wanted to do anyway, and you're 3-0. and This is an interesting Bears team. Now that Nick Foles is the quarterback, I mean, they have some weapons in the backfield. Uh, they have a, little, a lot of guys with speed coming out of that backfield with Cordero Patterson and, and Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery. And that receiving core with Anthony Miller and Alvin Robinson is pretty good, actually. If Nick Foles can start throwing the football down the field with a little bit of accuracy, you still have an above-average defense. 
this is going to be a Bears team that's actually a lot more interesting than they got credit for preseason when their over-under season win total was eight favored toward the under. When you talk about Trubisky, too, another thing that maybe some people have forgotten about him, not only the fact that they drafted him so high in a class that had a lot of good young quarterbacks in it, but also remember they gave up a draft pick to move up in the draft that they probably didn't even have to give up, so that would be even a little bit more egg on their face. Yeah, absolutely, and I think they were really trying to to have to go away from making that a bust and getting all the public attention that comes with that being a bust. Now, look, nobody's really ripping on Mitchell Trubisky, but yet they still got to go to Nick Foles, which is what they want to do. All things considered, I think nothing could have worked out any better for the Chicago Bears through three games. All right, guys, who's worse, the Giants, the Jets, or the Falcons? Or is somebody else I'm missing? Oh, Jets. Jets are the worst team in football. <laughs> I don't know. After the Giants basically lost to a 49er team that looked like they were playing their fourth preseason game. On a field where the 49ers wanted nothing to do with. Right, exactly. <laughs> and they just drill-pressed them yesterday. I mean, got out of the gate early and never never quit. Just ran away without your starting running back. Without you know the one of the best tight ends in football, if not the best tight end, you know your starting quarterback, and they had other guys that were out in Bosa on the defensive side. I think Kittle's still all too, isn't? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Kittle is, yeah. a, is a tight end. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So oh, no yeah, Kittle, yeah, no yeah. Bosa. Yeah, they're banged up all over. The Unbelievable place. for them to play the way they played yesterday. And oh yeah, by the way, that was the game that cost me my, my parlay. There it is. Exactly. As bad as the Giants are at 0 and 3, they at least did cover the spread in Game Two against the Chicago Bears, only losing by four. And if not for an interception in the end zone by Jones in the first game, they probably cover the spread against the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. The New York Jets not only have not covered a spread, they haven't even been in a game like at all. They haven't even been within distance of seeing the other team scores. Three blowouts, 0 and 3, 0 and 3 against the spread, which shows that. They have dramatically underperformed expectations. You know, look, going forward, the Giants may prove to be the worst team, but right now there is no question the New York Jets are the worst team in football. The, those two teams in New York are both so bad that the loser of that game should be a loser-leave-town match. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jeez, horrendous. Matthew Holt joins us from U.S. Integrity. All right, Matt, let's uh, break down tonight's game real quick. Who do you like? When you look at the Baltimore Ravens, they're a three-and-a-half-point choice over the world champions, but the Chiefs have gotten themselves in some trouble, you know, falling behind, not just this year, but we saw it in the Super Bowl. We saw it in the playoff games last year. Uh, a lot of people believe, you know what, Baltimore is a three-and-a-half-point choice because they're just the better all-around team. Yeah, I went ahead and took the Kansas City Chiefs here in this spot. Um, plus three and a half tonight on the Circle Millions contest. They just lean Chiefs a little bit more. They're the proven commodity against top elite teams. Baltimore sure does look good as a front runner, especially when they get ahead against teams uh, that tend to struggle a bit. I mean, look, at the end of the day, their wins look a little bit better than initially did. Cleveland Browns have rebounded with two wins since, so that blowing out of the Browns looks a little bit better. But the Houston Texans are 0-3, so I don't know how much credit we give them for beating up Houston last week. This is a Baltimore team that feasted on bad teams last year, just absolutely whipped them. But as we saw in the playoffs, the Tennessee Titans laid out that blueprint on how to beat uh, Lamar Jackson and this Ravens team, and they sure look good doing it. 
Now you get a co- you get an Andy Reid coach team coming in here that I think will will be well prepared for this game, um, and, and I think it's going to be a closer game. I think it's one of those things everybody looks at. What have you done for me lately, Lamar Jackson? Whipping a couple of bad football teams. Look, the Chiefs historically, for whatever reason, have trouble with the Chargers, and that's just at the end of the day. Who knows why? But they do. Uh, you know, last year in the two games, they were big favorites in both games, and I think they beat them. By by 7 and 10, so both games are close. This year, again, another close game on the road, just like always when they play the Chargers, but guess what? They also whipped the Houston Texans on their opening night as well. I think this is going to be a little bit closer game than, than a lot of people think, and I think one of the reasons I like the Chiefs is they can be down 10 at the end of this game, and and Pat Mahomes and that offense can come storming down in a minute, get that backdoor touchdown for you and sneak that cover through the back door. No, I agree. We talked about that too. That you know, you give the champs, uh, you know, three in a hook here, and you know, being an underdog seems a little bit strange. Again, I'm still not 100% sold on Lamar Jackson. What can he do in the big games? He we haven't seen him do anything really in the big games. So you make some good points there about lesser opponents and the Chiefs. And you know, Frank made the point too. It's like th- this game is, is obviously been circled on their calendar. We know it's only week number three, but it's very inviting to take the champs as an underdog. So. I'm, I'm with you on that. Matt, before we leave uh, the, the football here and let you go, let's talk a little bit about the NBA Finals. It seems strange that we have an NBA Finals, <laughs> especially here in the end of September. But the Lakers got there. The Miami Heat are there. They dispose of Boston. Uh, this, is, this is a series that kind of seems that's under the radar. And I'm curious about how the betting handle has been with these NBA playoff games, considering we're smack dab in the middle of the NFL and college football. Well, what's amazing is when we had the Western and Eastern Conference Finals, the Lakers games, in some cases, were doing as much handle almost as an average football game in some places. But the Miami-Boston series just never really resonated with the betters for whatever reason. What's amazing to me is in a year where everyone says NBA is turning into a three-point shooting contest, out of all the 16 teams in the or whatever ended up being in the playoffs this year, these two teams ranked 11th and 12th in three-point shooting accuracy in the playoffs. So these are two of the worst three-point shooting teams in the playoffs, yet here we go. We find them in the NBA Finals. What's really interesting is the Miami Heat brought out this zone defense for the bubble in the playoffs where they're basically daring teams to shoot threes and most of these teams have accommodated them by shooting a ton of threes but not making a ton of threes, and they've been able to get away with it through the entire playoffs. The L.A. Lakers, the 12th-ranked team in terms of three-point shooting percentage in the playoffs, I assume that Miami, who's played a zone the entire playoffs, it's like Jim Beheim. I'm going to bring out the zone defense. Somehow this zone defense is working, though, for the Miami Heat, and I worry and I'm wondering at least if I'm not worried. I mean, I'm not a Lakers fan, nor did I bet it. But I'm wondering if the Lakers team that hasn't been able to shoot threes very well all postseason may fall into the same trap. So many teams have fallen in against the Miami Heat zone this year where they pack that zone in, dare you to shoot three-pointers, and if you can't make them, here come the Heat. All right, breaking news, Matt. Speaking of the NBA... Doc Rivers out as coach of the L.A. Clippers. And that is 
a little bit shocking because remember Doc Rivers was the guy that thought that he had his troops ready to go during COVID and they were actually going to be the favorites over the Lakers a lot of people thought to win this thing and they petered out in this thing did not look good at all seemed like the longer they were in the bubble the more trouble they had and then finally Doc Rivers can't get it done with the Clippers uh, with Kawhi Leonard Doc Rivers out Doc has been historically bad in these key situations, historically bad with leads, uh, blowing big leads in clutch NBA playoff games. So I have no issue with this, but I also agree that in uh, in a year that we're in with everything, so much craziness, I was a little shocked that Doc Rivers got fired. Uh, but they certainly underperformed in the bubble, underperformed in the bubble postseason. Um, and, and with the amount of money now they're playing stars like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and by the way, Paul George was terrible in the series against Denver, but regardless of how bad Paul George was in that series, when you pay two superstars and mortgage the future like L.A. did to be good now, that means you need to win now. Doc Rivers didn't get it done. Not surprised, Jimmy. You can't totally be surprised he's out. Exactly. All right, Matt, we appreciate the time. As always, great stuff on a Monday. Good luck tonight. And, uh, again, you can check out Matt's uh, bets on uh, our best bets segment each and every Friday as well up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. Always nailing it. So we appreciate you, man. Be good, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Thanks, TC. Thanks, Frank. Have a good night. Take care. There it is, Matt Holt, and uh, he's on the Chiefs underdog too. Uh, I'm leaning that way. What about you, Frank? Um, I, I'm kind of leaning that way. I know that on Friday we talked about it a little bit. The, the Ravens look good, but I want to see them do it in a big game. And like yep. you said, uh, we know Mahomes has done it on the big stage. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen the Ravens do it yet. Maybe this is their time. There you go. All right, we come back. We'll hit on some more NFL from yesterday. And also, Major League Baseball, we've got a 16-team uh, playoff field that starts manana. Wait a second. Wait a second. Now, more from your favorite sports radio physician, Aha. the doctor, T.C. Martin. Aha. All right, action pack week for you because we have got so much going on. We got the NFL, as we know tonight, Monday Night Football. NCAA college football and swing. The NBA finals starting this week. We're at the tail end of the Stanley Cup finals in the NHL. And yes, Major League Baseball. The playoffs begin tomorrow. 16 teams. The American League will get underway tomorrow. And then Wednesday, it'll be the National League. Best two out of three game series. And they're going to go just, they're going to roll out here back to back to back pretty much. No off days. And the team with the best record will host all three of the games, and then once the series is over, uh, they'll take one day off to travel to get ready for the uh, the next series, but pretty much you're going to have baseball every day, every night here, and that all starts tomorrow. So just uh, the betting handle's crazy, we've got all this action, and we talked about how September and October is going to be just phenomenal 
uh, for something for talking points and for betting, and uh, and we're seeing that right now. It's going to be weird too. It's going to be interesting to watch how uh, different teams manage their games. If you get behind by a couple runs early, do you go to the bullpen to try to stay in a game? If you get behind by a certain amount, do you kind of rest your bullpen because you are playing all these back-to-back games? How they manage pitching staffs and different things is going to be a little bit more interesting, and it's it's a thing where attrition might catch up with you at a certain point if you don't have that deep roster. You know, and we talk about this in hockey quite a bit. You know, when you're going to the playoffs with 16 teams, that basically your dangerous seeds are even the seven and the eights, and you really have that situation here because you got some hot teams. You know, the, the Indians are seven eight seed. The Blue Jays snuck in there. Uh, the, the Yankees uh, are dangerous, and the Astros. Say what you want about the Astros; they're a six seed. Well, in and a three game series, anything can happen. Anything, can, I mean, even in a five game series, which will be For the sure, next round. Yeah. So this is going to be interesting. I'm, you know, it's kind of goofy that we're going to be playing, you know, home field, uh, and it's only going to be one location. So you're you're going to be doing that, no fans. But then once we get to the league championship series and the World Series, we're going to go bubble with fans, and we talked about that last week. Yeah, but again, I understand they're trying to get some fans in that in there. I think they just need to concentrate and get these games done. But yeah, home field basically means which locker room you're using. Exactly. All just right. like it did in the NBA and the NHL, or does, since those are both still going on. There you go. All right, uh, so speaking of the Major League Baseball playoffs, uh, Chris Bosio and Steve Sachs will join us this week. That'll make Quake happy, of course. Uh, Steve Berline's going to join us tomorrow as we talk about the NFL recap week number three completely and recap tonight's game between the Ravens and the Chiefs and Wall. So talk to Steve Berline regarding uh, the college football because, as you know, now we are kind of really in to the college football season. We had a full slate of games, and the pack last is back. Week. Yeah, and the, I mean pack twelve. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, they're back <laughs> exactly. And your Big Ten boys are coming back uh, as well too. And not to be lost here, but uh, the Stanley Cup uh, finals are happening. We had the back-to-back games on Friday and Saturday. Two great games, tremendous games. What, what double overtime where the Stars, you know, come back and win that game. Corey the, Perry. Yeah, who's Corey Perry, right? Well, I mean, Corey Perry's you know? won a Stanley Cup, but yeah. it was with the Ducks. I mean, it, Pavelski and Perry, guys that weren't even with the team, yeah. uh, the old veterans have come up big in big moments there. They're still getting enough goaltending. This team just refuses to die. It's going to be interesting. I still think Tampa Bay's the better team, but we know in hockey the better team doesn't always win. If your goalie's hot, you got a shot. Game six tonight, right? Yes, game yeah. six. And uh, and again, we've only once in history has a team come back from a 3-1 deficit, and that was in 1942, <laughs> Dallas trying to make history. In 2020, who knows? Yeah. I, I think it's a minus 165 favorite that Tampa Bay is tonight, but I think they were minus 160 the last game. But a lot, a lot of game. that does go out the window because there's no travel and there's no you know, 17,000, 18,000 know, screaming you know, home ice fans. Well, and, and you hear everything that the players and the coaches are saying yep. on the benches and yep. all that kind of stuff, too. So there's very few secrets in this day and age. All right. Give some love to the Aces. Man, their backs were against the wall yesterday. 2-1. They came out storming, especially in the second half. Went on a 20-4 run to put away the Connecticut Sun, and lo and behold, without Dierka Hamby, who got injured, she's out for the season with a knee injury. Now you've got the Aces in a Game 5 situation tomorrow night. It's a winner go home, loser leave the bubble. So you're going to have that, and waiting in the wings are you know the Seattle Storm. Uh, the Aces looked like they were dead. They were really down over the weekend, but man, they're alive and well now, and Bill Lambeer's got them pumped up, and it's like, hey, why not us? And uh, Game 5, 
tomorrow night? Anytime you got Asia Wilson on the course, you certainly have a shot to win a basketball game. Uh, so we're going to find out. Is it going to be aces high with the sun going down, or will it not Ooh, be? I like that. Yeah, Asia's been on fire, and then Angel McCautry finally got a lot of minutes, and she rolled 29 points for Angel McCautry. So you got McCautry and Asia. If they can play like that, this team's got a shot. By the way, I, I threw in the Aces High, so maybe we can get a little Maiden or something in here instead of all the other music. So. <laughs> Maiden, please. All right, man. We'll uh, we'll enjoy tonight's game with that. I appreciate Matthew Holt for joining us. Like I said, Steve Berline tomorrow, plus terrible Tuesday takes. All right. How do you grade Numchuck? Maybe we'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be part of the terrible Tuesday, right? <laughs> all right, Numchuck. Not bad today, except for a little, you know, a couple minor distractions. Not, you know. Much love for you, brother. Good job. All right. Quake in the house, too. Appreciate it. Needs a laser pointer. Laser pointer. Very nice. (laughs) There you go. All right. For Ballpark Frank, T.C. Mart saying so long you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartshow.com, for the latest interviews, blogs, past shows, all up there as well. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Enjoy tonight's Monday night football game. It's going to be a good one. And hockey. Yeah. And hockey tonight. Game number six (laughs) as well, too. Stars and the Lightning. Chiefs and the Ravens. Should be pretty good. We'll catch you tomorrow at 2.